You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I am beyond overwhelmed uh, between the combine, life, and uh, whatnot. I have bitten off entirely too much, but um, I went ahead and f- discovered OneNote, this Microsoft thing, because I was at work one day. And I was like, man, I'm always trying to do stuff, like when I take notes for Packers stuff and for the draft and all this, these kinds of things. It's like, it'd be cool if there was like a, a combo between Excel and Word. Like if there was kind of like, you know, a hybrid. And then I just happened to remember there's that one purple thing on Microsoft Excel or uh, Microsoft Office, whatever. And I'm like, eh, let's just go see what it is. Maybe just by chance. That's, that's pretty much what it is, man. It's exactly what I wanted. Spent entirely too much time building things and trying to keep up on it, and I'm way behind on that, which being behind on that means I'm also behind on everything else in my life, but um, I'm excited and stressed and horrified, and life is awesome and terrible, and how are you doing today? Nice to see you. Anyways, today I would like to talk about numero uno, a couple little free agency kind of newsy things. Been a lot of stuff going down. So I want to touch on that and then look at a little bit of what this combine stuff is all about. Not super crazy, because if you're super crazy about it, you probably already know a lot. And me telling you about five or six things is going to be like, this is dumb. I've, I've known all this all day long. But kind of just make it a little more Packer specific. Uh, specifically, specifically, I'd like to look at some of the prospects the Packers have looked at. And I know there's no direct correlation between... You know, looking at a guy, meeting with a guy, and, um, you know, drafting them. But I do find it interesting. And, and one of the things I find extremely interesting, the difference at least between Gutekunst and um, Mr. Teddy Thompson, would you stop buzzing phone? But the, the difference being, Ted Thompson loved to meet with like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round guys. Like that, he just wanted to round that out. And that's important. That is, that is kind of critical. But Gutekunst meets with a lot of first-round prospects. He wants to make sure, and it's awesome, because if you listen to my rants a couple days ago, the one thing that's very upsetting is the fact that we have a lot of mid-tier talent. Do you know why we have mid-tier talent? Because Ted Thompson was amazing at finding those gems in the fourth round and uncovering a couple of undrafted free agents that were able to come together. Mix that with Aaron Rodgers, and you've got playoffs every year. But still... Lots of deficiencies. So, I, I, you know, I don't know exactly what this is going to mean. We don't know very much about our new GM and how he's going to be as a GM, but I do know for a fact that he is taking a stronger, harder line on free agency, and he definitely seems to be making sure he's going to hit on the first round. He's meeting with a lot of guys. I mean, granted, we have two first-round picks. So you got to kind of spread it out. But anyways, I want to kind of look into some of those specific people that he's looking at, uh, talking to. Etc. It's another fun one, man. Just say it. But like, don't don't just say it. Say it. If you say etc., it's just a word, and it's kind of weird to say. Got to say etc. Got to roll it. You know, really hit that T, that et, and then 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 roll the da. 
Just do it, all right? Don't, you know, you're always judging me, and I'm sick of it. You don't know my truth, okay? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So first of all is the news that uh, not only is Justin Houston potentially out there for the taking, but Olivier Vernon for the New York Jets is out there. Both of these guys are very um, well-known, very well-renowned outside linebacking pass rushers, which, (laughs) wouldn't you know it, the Packers just so happen to be looking for outside linebackers that want to go hurt quarterbacks. So, I don't know, maybe there's some interest there. Let's take a look-see. First of all, let's get the very obvious out of the way. A lot of people were big on D. Ford, not just because he was awesome last year, but because a lot of people attributed his awesomeness to a certain outside linebacker coach who had just taken on that responsibility of becoming the outside linebacker coach, did a great job, D. Ford's awesome, and it's like, hey, even if this is kind of a fluke, we, the Green Bay Packers, now have that outside linebacker coach, and he's our outside linebacker coach, so it's a pretty good fit. Well, Justin Houston, for those that don't know and are just uh, following along here, just so happens to play for the same Kansas City Chiefs as D. Ford does. Meaning anything you can say in terms of this outside linebacking coach having a good relationship with a good outside linebacker in Kansas City, in regard to D. Ford, you can also say to Justin Houston. Now, let me also say this. Um, There were a lot of Packer fans that were very big on D. Ford, and I had talked about it, and I said, let's just kind of pump the brakes a little bit because D. Ford was kind of a terrible football player up until this past year. Maybe I'm interested because maybe he can kind of get some of that flashback from, you know, with the same coach and everything. But I'm really worried we're going to do a Nick Perry all over again. We're going to sign this guy to a massive contract because he had one good year. He's going to regress, and we're going to regret it forever. Folks, Justin Houston has been awesome for a very long time. Now, he did have a big spike this year. But again, however you want to look at this. So let me just run through real quick. 2011 is rookie year. Blech, whatever. No, not super great. 2012, very good. 2013, 14, and 15, elite. Like, just out of his mind, awesome football player. 2016 and 2017, good. He was good. You could look at that and call it regression, if you so chose to do that. I don't exactly know why you would, because he would have been 27 and 28 at that time. But you could call that regression if you wanted to. But then he had a big spike. So I'm trying to think of the most negative way to possibly spin this. This was a bad defense. Everything about this defense, except the outside linebackers, in which, by the way, they had maybe the best pass rush duo in the NFL last year. I said maybe, so don't freak out. Houston was probably better, but what it, it was a very good duo. D. Ford and Justin Houston were ranked 11th and 12th. That's pretty good, man. So just so we're clear, 
As good as D. Ford was, Justin Houston is the same thing. Yes, he's 30 years old. Yes, he's pretty expensive. But I, I almost would prefer Justin Houston to D. Ford. I think you have the long-term track record that alleviates some of the fear that I have that D. Ford is going to regress. And by the way, in, in 20, what is this, 2016, he didn't play a snap until week 11. So that was one of his regression years, so-called. 2017 was a full year, but 2016, so, so we can probably scrap 2016. So we got elite, 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 hurt, one year where he was real good, had 11 sacks, and then this past year where he had 12 sacks and was almost elite. His pass rush grade was, was basically elite. And by the way, when I say one of the best outside linebacker or pass rush duos, if you look at pro football focus as the overall grade, they're, what, what did I say, 11th and 12th? D. Ford was ranked number one. Justin Houston was graded as the fifth best pass rusher in the NFL. Again, D. Ford is awesome. He's younger. I get it. But I, I feel like there's almost no risk here. If we were to land Justin Houston and take on his contract, it's not cheap. It's, it's very much not cheap. But his base salary is going to be $15.25 million in 2019, $17 million in 2020. But I can tell you right now, for the fifth best pass rusher, if it's even close to that, that's a steal, ladies and gentlemen. That's nothing. That's highway robbery. Khalil Mack, the $25 million man. No question he is a better all-around outside linebacker. Physical specimen. He had 13 sacks. That's, that's freakish. But he graded out as the eighth best pass rusher, which is phenomenal. But I'm just again, I'm just trying to give you some idea of the dude is good, man. Justin Houston is for real. He's very much for real. And as for real as he used to be, maybe he's not 100% there, but dude is for real. Now, he's got a little bit of help with a man named uh, Chris Jones on the inside, but I feel like the Packers got it pretty well on the inside as well. In fact, I don't know, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, whoever it is we might end up drafting, Lowry, I would venture to guess that we have a better defensive line than they do. And then beyond that, and I know this has nothing to do with getting Justin Houston, but just think, just think how glorious it could possibly be with Justin Houston on one side and Ja'Kai Polite, Brian Burns, Josh Allen, whoever it is that you like that is a realistic prospect, a first-round stud prospect, how awesome that is. And no, by the way, I'm not saying we get Justin Houston and then get something else. Absolutely not. Let's have two especially considering we're talking about a two-year contract. Get the guys while you can get the guys. But it takes so much of the pressure off. If we get a Brian Burns, he doesn't have to be elite. He doesn't have to be a 10-sack a phenom. However, what does the Green Bay Packers defensive line, defensive front look like if we get Justin Houston and draft Ja'Kai Polite? I mean, Ja'Kai Polite is never going to see a double team even once this year. Kenny Clark is probably going to, maybe he won't, maybe Justin Houston is the guy. You got to freak out about Justin Houston, and then you got to worry about Kenny Clark, and then you got to worry about Mike Daniels, and then, oh yeah, that first round pick, that this 22-year-old, however old he is, guy, Ja'Kai Polite, who just won't stop, who's just filled with energy because he's like 10, like a 10-year-old child who's, you know, found a cup of Starbucks and slammed it or something. I don't know what's going on. I mean that, that that it just it feels impossible to me. Like this this isn't this isn't that's not a Packers defense. That doesn't happen. That's not a thing. That doesn't fix everything. We still need our corners to get better. We still don't have safeties. It'd be nice if we had at least a, a second 
linebacker. I mean, you know, maybe you bring back Jake Ryan. We got the Blake and Jake thing going on. It's pretty good. But that's scary. That's a great front. And I'm talking about that's done by the end of day one of the draft. That's our front. And by the way, there's another pick in there somewhere. Maybe we get our safety. Maybe we get a Taylor Rapp. Maybe we get a Nasir Adderley. Maybe we get a Hawkinson or a Fant. I don't know. It just, it feels right that we get somebody. And I'm telling you right now, I have not even the slightest hesitation as far as on its face at this point. I don't know as far as compensation what they're going to want. They may want a ton. And if you're saying that I need that, I need your pick 30, eh, no. I'm going to say no because pick 30 is, is the future. Justin Houston is the present. Justin Houston is 2019 2020. We're not going to draft a guy as well as good as Justin Houston. I get that, but I'm worried about giving up our pick 30 for a guy that's going to be a Green Bay Packer for seven years. Justin Houston is a is short-term fix. Now, he's, he's 30 years old, pretty expensive, a lot of money left on that contract. I, I gave you the debt analogy. You know, you, you, you give me your car and you give me your debt. Well, I'm going to subtract that debt from his value. Right? You give me a $30,000 car and $30,000 worth of debt on that car, I'm not giving you anything. So we would be freeing up for them $14 million just this year. They would uh, have $7 million in dead money. After that, he's off the books, which is $19, $19 million in savings. So we're, we're talking about $40 million even that is, that is supposed to be counted against the cap. There's workout bonuses and other things in there or whatever, but $40 million. Of that, they have to pay seven point. So, in my mind, we're compensating you for seven million dollars. Seven million dollars worth of Justin Houston, because I mean, you got to account for who it is you're trading for. So, yeah, we're getting Justin Houston, but we're getting, you know, imagine if we didn't have to pay anything, what he would be worth. It would sky's the limit. But we're talking about seventeen point seven percent of that. So, just for fun, let's let's pretend this is strictly mathematical, because the math works out perfectly. Let's just say if it was free and clear that we're not talking about paying any debt for Justin Houston. Let's say it would cost us our pick 12. If you go over to the trade value chart, that is 1,200 points of value. If you take that 17.7%, which is how much of the contract they're going to be left paying, and you multiply that by 1,200, you get 213. Well, our pick in the third round which is pick 75, is a value of 215. So if that trade were to make any sense, I'm looking at it and I'm saying third round pick. I think a third round pick is is a, a fair trade. Now, I, I hate that because I love the draft and I love how much value you can get in a third round pick. But at some point, you got to, I mean, we, we got to be realistic about what the draft is, unlike Ted Thompson pretending every third-round pick is going to be a, a, a superstar. No, Justin Houston is a superstar. I mean, I, I understand the potential value, but I, if we were to put it to a real person, I can't imagine saying, I'll give you Justin Houston if you take his contract and you owe me Oren Burks. Like, whoa, whoa, buddy. I'm not giving you Oren Burks. Do you understand what you're asking me right now? That is our inside linebacker, sir. I'm not giving you Montrevious Adams, never. Tyler Fackrell, Ty Montgomery, Kyrie Thornton, Richard Rogers, Alex Green. Okay, Morgan Burnett, but I mean, come on. I had to go all the way back to what? 
I had to go back to 2010 to find a third-round pick that I wouldn't want to give up for a guy like Justin Houston. And I, listen, I don't, I don't know what his compensation will be. Third round is just a guess. But if you can't tell, I'm, I'm definitely interested. And if, if we're talking about even maybe as late as a fourth round, granted, it, again, it could be higher. If it gets bid up into the second round, I think I'm out. I'm sure I could probably play that same game with the second round and find guys that didn't pan out. But I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to play the game. I, I don't want to trade a second round. But I do want Justin Houston very much. And I do think he still has plenty in the tank. And I do still think he's a 10-sack guy. And I do see him paired up with a rookie outside linebacker. And I do see him being paired with his old outside linebacker and coach who helped him kind of regain some of that awesomeness that he had. It just feels right. We have the money. We have the trade capital. We have the need. I just want him, man. I just want him. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, let's talk about the next fella. Olivier Vernon, six foot two, two hundred and seventy pounds, out of Miami, Florida. Well, he went to college in Miami, currently New York. But allow me to read the little blurb for you because this is sort of newer-ish news. ESPN's Jordan Renan reports that Giants are trying to trade pass rusher Olivia Vernon. <laughs> oh, one of those days. Making seventeen million a year, Vernon is the league's third-highest-paid edge rusher behind only Khalil Mack and Von Miller. Signed to a massive deal in 2016, Vernon has not lived up to the contract with the Giants. He's averaged just over seven sacks a season with the G-Men. Renan thinks that Giants could cut Vernon if they don't find a trade partner. Vernon carries a $19.5 million cap hit. The Giants can clear $11.5 million of that off the books. It says, but releasing him, guessing that's supposed to be by releasing him. Anywho, so looking first at his contract now, uh, for 2019, his base salary, it's actually the same, 2019 and 2020, is $15.25 million. The G-Men would eat $8 million of that total contract, which is his $4 million per year bon- uh, prorated bonus is what they're going to have to eat. So it noted in that uh, little blurb that he's not worth that money, and maybe that's fair. I think, you know, especially when we're talking about third highest paid guy. But he is pretty good. I would actually probably put him somewhere in between D. Ford and Justin Houston, maybe a little bit closer to Justin Houston. He doesn't have the track record of Justin Houston. He's never had that moment of just glory, or in Houston's case, three years of glory. He had, you know, a good few years, a real good 2015, and then, you know, a pretty good 16 and 17. And then he had, arguably, at least probably pro football focuses standards, his best year in 2018, where he was graded out as the 13th best out or edge rusher in the NFL and the 7th best pass rusher in the NFL. Now, understand, sacks are what it's all about. I get that. So if you don't have the 7th highest sack total, you shouldn't be called the 7th highest best pass rusher. Okay, maybe, but you need a little bit more nuance than that. For example, Justin Houston and D. Ford had each other. Vernon Davis... Uh, excuse me, Olivier Vernon, I've done that a thousand times now. Olivier Vernon doesn't have anybody else. There's not really very many 
people to worry about on the inside, especially after they got rid of Snacks Harrison. There's absolutely nobody on the opposite side as an outside linebacker. Um, well, Lorenzo Carter they drafted, so maybe someday, but not in his rookie year. The linebackers are garbage, so you don't even have to worry about blitzing from the inside. It's a literally Olivier Vernon, and that's it. So you got an outside linebacker, and if Vernon starts having a good, you know, go at it, we'll just bring a little extra help over here. Tight end, running back, whatever. But he's pretty good. Beyond that, Olivier Vernon is um, 29. Well, he's 28, turning 29 this year. I guess it's not all that much younger, but we're talking about 28 compared to 30. We've got a couple years. Overall, I think Justin Houston is just the much better option. I think if Olivier Vernon was cheaper, or possibly you could take into consideration the compensation. If, if Justin Houston's compensation gets up into the second round territory, and the Giants are looking at Olivier Vernon and willing to accept like a fifth round, I might be looking a little bit more at Olivier Vernon. But even at that point, the problem come, becomes for me, this $15 million. Now, granted, I'll take Olivier Vernon at $15 million over what we're paying Nick Perry all day, any day. So if we want to let that man walk and recoup what money we have, which, you know, isn't maybe as much this year, but next year we recoup all of it. So in 2019, we only save by cutting him $3 million, which essentially would bring Olivier Vernon down to about 12-ish. But then going forward in 2020 and 2021, we saved 14.3 and 14.1 million dollars. Meaning in 2020, it's essentially an exchange from Nick Perry to Olivier Vernon. Nick Perry and Olivier Vernon are essentially the exact same age, anyways. So we are kind of just—it it would sort of just be sort of looking at an exchange. At that point, it just becomes a question of, you know, how much of an increase in, is it, and then how much compensation do the Giants want for him? Because if Vernon were to kind of regress back to his average and Nick Perry were to kind of come back up to his average, Vernon's probably still better, but I don't know that he's all that much better. So we're talking about paying more money, giving up, what, a fourth-round pick? Maybe a fifth-round pick? I don't know. Eh. I, it, you know, if you couldn't tell by the tone in my voice, I would rather go all-in on Justin Houston. And if, if we can get him for a third, I have a real hard time saying no. But I think Olivier Vernon is a decent, um, I guess, consolation prize. The other thing that's pretty interesting as I look over uh, some of his numbers and whatnot, uh, as far as his coverage grades go, extremely high. I mean, as far as outside linebackers go, that's pretty impressive and consistent. But another issue would be his injury history. He does have a bit of an injury history. So I don't know. I mean, it's sort of Nick Perry 2.0 in my mind. You probably get more sacks. You also have an injury history. You're overpaying for a guy. Um, he's not really young. I want it more or less because I feel like we might need it. I want it because Olivier Vernon and, you know, Josh Allen or whoever we end up getting, Cleveland Farrell, I don't know, Montez Sweat, whoever is on the other side, if, if we have an Olivier Vernon or a Justin Houston, it, it, it just feels like it makes a massive difference in my mind. I mean, it, it's almost the exact same thing as wide receiver and cornerback. We have one really good wide receiver. Our offense with one wide receiver compared to two good wide receivers is just 180 degrees different. If we were to draft, I don't know, Nikhil Harry or Hakeem Butler, just whoever it is in your mind is the top wide receiver talent. If we were to end up with that person or a free agent who's a good player, don't even need to go crazy like Antonio Brown. 
what is this offense? How how drastically different is it? And it's not even so much that we have that guy, it's the fact that we have those two. It makes a huge difference. Same with cornerback. I like Jair. He's a good cornerback. But the secondary with one good cornerback isn't that great. The secondary with two Jairs? Can you imagine that? Oh, dra- I mean, it's it's almost as if it's more valuable than double. It it just it's there's something about that duo, and I, I I'm I'm dead serious. I actually think I think Gutekunst is gonna get it done, and maybe it's not one of those two. I think we are going to get a free agent, and I think we're going to draft somebody. I just I and I've been saying this for a while. There's just something in the pit of my stomach. Also, you know, things that have actually been said, but. I just have this feeling that he wants beyond desperately, not just to be aggressive for aggressive sake, but when it comes to edge rusher, I think he's willing to be a little reckless. It just feels different, like he wants it real bad. So, I, you know, I, I said I would pump the brakes at, at a second round pick. I don't think, if you were to ask me, would Gutekunst pay a second round pick for Justin Houston, my answer today is yes, I think he would. He was willing to give up a first and a second for Khalil Mack. Excuse me, two first-round picks for Khalil Mack. Both of them. Both of them. He was going to give up both of them. I said myself, no way in the world would I do that. Gutekun said, I'm going to do that. So on a scale, there's Ted Thompson conservative, and then there's me, and then there's Gutekun going after outside linebackers, which seems to be a bit further out on the scale. I wasn't willing to pay $25 million for him, nor was I willing to give up two first-round picks for him. Gutekunst was willing to do both of those things. So, again, would he give a second-round pick for Justin Houston? I absolutely think he would, and I think our first first-round... Eh, I think one of our first-round picks would be edge rusher. I could be wrong about that second part, though. But I'm, I'm just saying, I, I... Just call it a hunch. It, I mean, it, it can't even really be a prediction because it all depends. Right? He, again, it's not a grocery store. You can't just go there and say, okay, here's here's the compensation you asked for. Right? He offered the Bears or the Raiders what they wanted for Khalil Mack, and they just weighed the two options and said, I'll take the Bears, even though it was less compensation for what the Bears gave them. They were just like, no, I'd rather have the Bears offer because they're probably going to be drafting higher or whatever kind of nonsense. If Brian Gutekunst had his way, Khalil Mack would be on this team right now, as would probably a bunch of other people. But, you know, it's not always up to Gutekunst. But anyway, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting myself all whipped up because it's, you know, things are happening and free agency is closing in and my calendar has a three now on it, meaning it's March, which is crazy. Which, by the way, I don't know if the universe doesn't know this, but I feel like somebody needs to explain it to Mother Earth, Mother, uh, Mother whatever, whoever it is that's, that's turning up the dials over there. Last I checked, March was spring and spring is warm. My calendar says March, ergo, supposed to be warm today. I walked outside, there's still ice and snow. I don't, I don't know, I, 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 there's no words. I am repulsed. That's a word. Real repulsed. Big time. Tired of it. But, March also means trade fever. Trade show madness, man. I'm feeling the macho man coming on. Unbelievable. I'm still in a state of shock right now. In fact, I don't think I'm going to be coming down for a long period of time. Yeah. That's pretty much every bit of news that's going to happen between now and, um, I don't know, week two? When you kind of just get inundated with all the news and you're kind of over it? Like, yeah, I know big news happens every second of every day. I don't know. 
seven people put on IR. This team's season is over because the quarterback got hurt. I know. I get it. I understand. More than enough quotes. I mean, the guys that we're just dying to hear from one time in the offseason, we hear them daily. Once a week. But anyways, yes, that, that, that is the perfect embodiment of how I feel every time something interesting happens. Or even thinking about free agency. That's pretty That, that Hulk and Macho Man clip, that's it, man. Anyways, as a side bit of news, as I'm monitoring Facebook and everything else as I do this podcast, Justin from the Facebook group just threw this up. I gotta be honest, I'm pretty excited that I've had HaHa's back this whole time because I really like that guy. I was just looking at Ramblin' Matt Ramage's uh, Twitter feed. He did a podcast with HaHa. Still seems like a really good dude. But anyways, he throws this up. It took me a while to figure out what's going on and who's who. But anyways, essentially what you have on Instagram is HaHa Clinton Dix saying, seize the opportunity, earn everything. And there's a, a picture of HaHa Clinton Dix, which is his number, 21, green and gold, playing football. Landon Collins jumps on and says, thought that was me for a second. Which in and of itself is like, wait, why did you think that was you? That's clearly a Packers unit. Oh, mate, um, I don't know. Then HaHa comments and says, it might be in a couple weeks. In other words, maybe you will be wearing that 21 green and gold pretty soon. Then he says, you're going to love that green and gold, brother. Actually, it's Brutta, but I sound stupid saying Brutta. Sound more Indian than probably he's intending. But anyways, I mean, I don't know. Just to recap, at least from my point of view, dude got drafted by the Packers, played real well, continued to play well up until the final days, in which, yeah, maybe a little lack of effort at times, not the greatest tackler in the world, but a pretty good safety as far as covering the backside of the field, gets booted, and then a bunch of Packer fans say good riddance, we're actually begging to get rid of him for about a year, trashing the guy, who seems like a really good dude, always been a really good dude, then he gets shipped off, Every Packer fan, for the most part, is saying, ha ha, good, look at him, he's still trash, they're making fun of him over there, Adrian Peterson runs through him, ha ha, look at that bum. He comes back, and he's still hanging out with a local dude, and that's in no way intending to sound disparaging to Ramblin' Matt Ramid, but I mean, it is what it is. It would be the same thing if he just, like, called me up on the phone, was like, hey man, how you doing? Like, good, but why are you calling me? You're a football player, and I'm a dude with a podcast and then is actually actively recruiting Landon Collins to the Green Bay Packers and throws out you're gonna love the green and gold maybe it's just me I think that's kind of awesome just thought I'd throw that out there switching gears to our final topic here I just wanted to talk about a couple people I don't think it's going to be a full and comprehensive list but a few people that apparently have met with the Packers as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast The Packers meet with a lot of different people at a lot of different areas within the draft, but I think more often than ever before, Brian Gutekunst and the assistant coaches are meeting with early round talent. So in the past, you would see a lot of these meetings with the Packers, and it's a lot of guys that are names that you just never really heard before. However, you know, as I'm looking at this list, the first name that I can see here is Josh Jacobs. The absolute latest the Packers are going to be able to get a guy like Josh Jacobs is at 44 in the second round. Now, I know there's some 
trickery and stuff that goes on and all these different schemey type things and rumors about, well, maybe they're just trying to throw people off or whatever. I don't think there's going to be a lot of that. I think the, the main purpose of the combine is making sure that they set their board properly. Brian Gutekunst said as much. Now, a lot of it is going to be based on testing and medicals and all those things, but interviews are going to be a major part of that. So sending out your coaches and your scouts to go do fake interviews to try to throw people off to make it seem like we're in... No, if, if you want to do that, you leak information to the media that's a bunch of nonsense. And then you get the rumor mills starting to go closer to the draft. You don't do that now. Now, an additional caveat, this doesn't necessarily mean that they're interested or targeting, which I think is a nonsense term. I've talked about that before. You don't really target people. But what it does tell me is they're not off the list. And I think even though obviously you're not going to take Josh Jacobs off your list, the reason they're wanting to meet with him is obviously they've they've noticed him and they want to find out exactly where to put him. And they feel that it's important enough to make sure that they get it right because there is a possibility they might draft him. Now, Josh Jacobs, again, I said the absolute latest they're going to get him is 44. More than likely, though, he's going to go in the first round, probably late first. Meaning the question is that the thing that the Packers are probably thinking about is, and um, if you look at a lot of the names they met with, a lot of these guys are going to be pick 30 guys, which is really going to be a bigger question. And, and okay, so here, let, let's expand this out a little bit more. You could say pick 30, or you could just say post 12. And the reason I phrase it that way is one of the thoughts that I've had about this draft is that there's, and it, this has been said by a lot of people, there's a couple guys way at the front. You got Quinn and Williams, you got Nick Bosa. You could maybe say Josh Allen is in that mix, a guy like Ed Oliver. Um, those guys are way up front, but after they're gone, you know, you, you throw in another name or two if you want. But by the time you get to 12, there's a good chance a lot of the real top-tier talent goes away. So, but between 10 and, say, 50, there's a lot of variability. In other words, there's a big drop-off between 5 and 10, but a very small drop-off between 10 and 50. I mean, considering we're talking about 40 places. So the reason I bring that up is it's also possible that they want to make sure that they understand where they have their board and also what, what tiers we want to put guys on because maybe the Packers won't want to trade back. Similar to what we did with Jair Alexander. We traded back knowing that there's a pile of guys that we can still get. And there's a chance they can make it back to us. Otherwise, we could try to trade back up. But trying to kind of figure out those, let's just say, 10 to 50 those guys. The, the the Packers are interviewing with a ton of those 10 to 50, 10 to 60, 10 to 64. In other words, mid-first through the second round, lots of real good talent. The, the biggest problem, though, is when you get to 10 or 12, it's not super awesome value at 10 to 12. The guys that you're excited to get at 12 are probably the guys that you're probably pretty excited to get at 20, right? You, you, you really can't name somebody that you think is going to be there at 12, that you think is impossible, they're there at 25. Ja'Kai Polite, probably a good pick at, at 12. Nobody in their right mind is saying there's no way he makes it to 25. He could absolutely make it to 25. The offensive lineman, the, every single one of those guys could make it to 25, including Jonah Williams, but probably not. But anyways, the, uh, the note here is that Josh Jacobs was asked about who he had met with. Apparently he did have a formal, former, formal interview with the Green Bay Packers, and his quote was, 
he spoke a lot with a Packers assistant coach. I don't know who that coach is, but apparently there was a lot of talking going on. So I, I find that interesting. Now, I'm not going to say, I, I'm not going to do a mock draft where I have the Packers taking Josh Jacobs because, well, they met with him. That's silly. However, what I can say comfortably now is that the idea that the Packers would take a running back off their board at pick 30 is probably untrue, or possibly at least 44. In other words, it's not impossible. By the end of the second round, the Packers haven't drafted a running back. And also, we're talking top tier because Josh Jacobs is, I would say that, I don't think anybody believes there's a better running back than Josh Jacobs. He is the number one running back in this class. I think that is a guaranteed slam dunk. So anyways, I found that pretty interesting and kind of gets the gears turning a little bit in terms of where the Packers' heads are at. And again, does not mean they're targeting him. Maybe it's just me, but a lot of times, and I know it's not me because I do a mock draft and what's the first thing anybody that does a mock draft does that throws it up on Twitter or Facebook? No way the Packers are taking that. If you take, I guarantee, do a mock draft right now. Have the Packers take Josh Jacobs at 30 and then see what the reaction is. Everybody will lose their mind because they'll say it's impossible. It's not. It's absolutely not impossible. Um, some other people that have met with the Packers, Alec Ingold, fullback out of Wisconsin. He met with all 32 teams, so that doesn't say a ton. However, there has been a ton of talk about the use of the fullback with LaFleur and how important that is. But the other interesting thing is, you almost wonder if there might be a little bit of a resurgence. Because the reason people are tying LaFleur to fullback is primarily because they understand that his system relies on a full, Not It doesn't have to be a fullback. You could, you could use a tight end in that capacity. But they do like to use that type of a role, you know, fullback, H-back, whatever. But the reason is because that system ties back to Shanahan, it ties back to uh, McVeigh, and as they start to do it and that idea starts to spread, you have other copycat teams start to do it, and may, who knows, maybe these athletic fullbacks start to make a bit of a resurgence, which maybe is why a guy like Alec Ingold says, yeah, I met with every single team, <laughs> a fullback who's probably... You know, in a, in, a, in a normal year, not going to go before the sixth round because he's a fullback and only four teams even care. Suddenly, that guy has, he can't get out of the building without meeting with every single team. Uh, the Packers did meet with Jonah Williams. The last mock draft I did, I had them taking Jonah Williams. I thought that made sense. Um, his arms are a little bit shorter. So there's some talk about him maybe kicking into guard, which I think is beneficial because we're talking about a guy that, that might probably would be a good guard that could potentially start at tackle considering I think we are going to have Bakhtiari and Balaga I don't think we have Jonah Williams as a long-term guard my thought process would be you have him inside for year one you kick him outside year two but either way um, even if they don't want him to play guard they do want him at tackle which is entirely possible and I don't think you would take him uh, as a guard at 12 anyways but even if even if it's just right tackle we're talking about the urgency is there and there's no question they're they're looking at those positions pretty heavily. The other person that is listed, at least on this site, that they had met with is uh, Northern Illinois offensive tackle Max Sharping. I'm assuming Sharping isn't going to be as an early round target. Uh, based on where I have him at NFLBigBoard.com, we're looking at maybe third or fourth round. But again, we've so far listed a running back, two tackles, and a fullback. So... <laughs> You know, when, when LaFleur says that they want to really focus on the run game, uh, I think they're taking that to heart a little bit. Uh, they've also met with uh, Jawan Taylor. Uh, Jawan Taylor, I, I would guess, if you were to ask me right now, 
between 12 and 30 where he would go. I would say that's a 12 pick, but it could be, not that they even know at this point, but it, 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 it could be a situation of what if Juwan falls to us to 30 or at 30 kind of thing. But uh, again, another tackle they want to look very seriously at. I think Juwan Taylor is going to go early. I don't think he makes it to 30. And then another offensive position that does, at least to some degree, tie into the run game, uh, tight end. The Packers met with Jay Sternberger and Noah Fant. Uh, Noah Fant, I think 12 is a little bit too early. That For a very long time, he was mocked, or not mocked, he was on uh, my big board middle of the first and is slowly falling. I'm not saying it's impossible he goes at 12, considering his, his you know measurables or at least expected measurables. We'll see what he does in drills and everything. But uh, with his athletic upside, it's possible. But I, w- I would guess this is a, are we interested at 30? I don't think there's any way he falls to 44, though. Sternberger maybe is a second round. I would guess third round, just based on where he's at now. But another really talented guy, possible that he goes round two. Another guy they met with, Bryce Love, running back. <laughs> so Bryce Love, for those that don't know, don't know, last year he was considered the top running back in the class. He was going to be a first-round guy, whatever. His stock has fallen pretty substantially. It's a pretty tragic tale, actually. In, in my opinion, anybody, and there, there were several. I was a big fan of Raquan Davis, Alabama defensive tackle. I think he was a guaranteed mid-first, possibly late-first, but I would have thought, I don't think he would have made it past about 15-16. He went back to Alabama. What, what are you hoping to gain, man? I mean, maybe because it's a stacked defensive tackle class and he's looking at it going, I can't compete, but next year I could possibly be the top defensive tackle, maybe be a top 10 guy. Yeah, or you tear your ACL or something crazy happens and you fall into the third round, man. I just, I don't know. But anyways, Bryce Love's uh, stock has has really fallen. But um, I, I think with a guy like Bryce Love, anytime you have crazy stuff happening, it's more a matter of we, we want to get our hands on him. You know, we, we definitely care about the medical side of it because he's had injury history with torn ACL and whatnot. But uh, it, it's really just a matter of we need to make sure that we get this right and know where to put him on the board because he's going to be on the board somewhere. But still, again, very interesting that almost everybody I've listed so far is offense and to some degree, whether a small or large degree, we're talking about the run game. Uh, power through a few other names here. Daryl Henderson, running back. Nate Davis, guard. Uh, Yalta Froholt, guard. Um, Edoga, tackle. Gaskin, running back. Irv Smith, tight end. Uh, Tommy Sweeney, tight end. Hawkinson, tight end. Other than that, as far as I can tell, we've got wide receivers. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Andy Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson, and then surprisingly somebody that I do have on my board, but he's listed at 324th, Ola B.C. Johnson, Colorado State, real deep dive, right? That's a Ted Thompson meetup right there. But every single name I've found has been defense. Now, this is just the combine. They've, they've met with other people. They met with Blaze Brown, cornerback, Lucas Dennis, safety, uh, Dalen Mack, um, you know, Jalen Jelks, Corey Ballantine, Zach Allen, Jonathan Abram, Montez Sweat, O'Shane Zimenez. They met a lot of these other guys too. But all the names that I've found at the combine are offensive players vast majority are offensive line running back and a fullback a good number of tight ends which again is is kind of mixed into that and then a handful of wide receivers so i i find that very interesting for a team that historically does nothing but draft defense especially when we're talking about a lot of guys not all these guys right uh, you know idoga sharping Gaskins, uh, Sternberger, 
you know, a lot of these guys are going to be mid-round talent, but there's there's a good number of guys that we're talking first round that they want to talk to. Jonah Williams, he's not going to be in the second round. Josh Jacobs, I don't think he falls into the second round. Juwan Taylor, he's going to be a first round guy. Um, Noah Fant, probably going to be first round. Hawkinson will be first round. So these are people that they want to find out to talk about to figure out who in the first round they're going to take, and they've looked at nobody but offense. And a good number of the, you know, quite a few others could possibly be pick 30s as opposed to, you know, maybe looking second roundish guy. And again, I don't think they're going into the saying, okay, let's try to find our who's going to be our pick 30. They're just setting their board. I fully understand that. I'm just saying they also have to fully understand. Again, it doesn't make any sense to say, well, let's let's meet up with Josh Jacobs and find out where he's going to be on our board. Well, if if he's barely even going to make it to 30 and you're not going to touch a running back until the fourth round, why are you meeting with him? You get what I'm saying, right? Anyways, it's just I'm I'm excited. The Packers are doing stuff. Very, very good chance that of this list we're looking at right now, somebody will be a Green Bay Packer. I mean, just, just almost mathematically. So it's it's kind of cool, especially with two first-round picks and a lot of first-round names. Very good chance. But anyways, it's a late one today. It's uh, I'm going to finish this up, upload it, go to bed, wake up, and do it all over again. You can probably hear the yelping hyenas as the whole house is melting down. This is the part where we cry hysterically because somebody's been looking at me for three seconds. It's my favorite part of the day. Anyways, you folks, enjoy your, uh, well, what's left of your day. For those of you crazy kids that stay up till like 10 and stuff. Otherwise, I'll catch you bright and surly tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>